basketball this is a big show for us we've got the one and only mike vorkanov coming on stay tuned for that he drops some knicks knowledge um but before we do that i got some important things i want to talk about great (laughs) chris i just finished this incredible new book Ooh, it's called nothing but a good time uh is written by a friend of a friend tom bourgeois and uh richard beinstock uh, it was given to me as a thank you gift. Um, I read it the entire couple, first couple months of my son's life while I didn't sleep much. It is an oral history of hair metal, as told by all of the, uh, as told by all of the greats, the 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 poisons, oh. the rats, the twisted sisters. It starts basically at like Van Halen. It's all L.A. It's like it start it starts with Van Halen, L.A. And goes all the way to like the end where like you know people are always like grunge killed metal, hair metal whatever. <laughs> um, go, it's like 500 pages. It is a nonstop. It's just a roller coaster ride of of who's who. I don't know. And I, I like it's it goes from like what what people thought of Poison and what people thought of like Guns N' Roses and like how they all met and where they like where their musical backgrounds and who slept with who and. Like what kind of weird shit they did and how they all ended up broke and dead and drunk and like lived their best lives. And there's a section on groupies and there's a section on like they don't they don't gloss over the fact that it was like an over sexualized and misogynistic world. Like they like it is a it pulls from all of these different sources. It is I don't I I can't recommend this book enough. It is it it reads like a podcast. It was like my eyes didn't have to do any looking barely my brain didn't have to do it It just was like words flowing into my brain i couldn't put it down i made me like it didn't make me long for a a a day although i have been listening to hair nation on sirius satellite radio a lot more recently because of it uh it gave me a further and deeper appreciation into a world of music that i think is easily dismissed as stupid and schlocky and cheesy but i think you have to recognize or at least i have to recognize it was a huge part of the mainstream pop culture and music scene for a good chunk of the 80s. My question for you, Chris, is <laughs> did you listen to hair metal? Um, a little bit. Okay. I was on the, I was on the fringe, I think, of... of I, you know, because in it was Seattle, by enough, the, mind you. Huh? You're in Seattle, mind you. Yeah, but then I, was, I wasn't a grunge guy either. I wasn't... Cool. Uh, we, my brother and I would, my, I think my brother was, it was, I sort of followed him a little bit with listening to like quiet riot and, and like Def Leppard and like those bands, um, and, and Judas Priest and stuff. And, and then you sort of kind of grew into the hair metal bands obviously. And like Guns N' Roses, you know, was more popular, more proficient, you know, profound of a, of a, of a known band, I guess, you know, they were, they were a bigger deal, I think. And they've kind of just, like, they've kind of just come out of the unscathed as though they were not a hair metal band. Like they're just considered like a great rock band, right? Band. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, and like, but so like, you know, like I, I never got too deep, you know, I, I maybe like a little rat, a little, this, a little, you know, like those kinds of, um, 
you know, Motley Crue uh, was actually was big and popular. Um, you know, Poison, you know, th- they had a couple of popular songs, and I would listen to those, and that's probably the extent. Did you have, so we had a, we had a, what we called, and we've probably talked about this on the podcast, I think we have, we had our version of, like, what some people have, Heshers, or, like, Butt Rock dudes, or, like, we call them Slippies, and Slippies <laughs> were guys that, like, wore, you know, like, they were, like, into it, like, they had the long hair, they were, mm-hmm. they, like, they, like, this is what they were about, you know, like, t-shirts, and, the, yeah, yeah, the band t-shirts, and, and whatever, like, it, it, they lived it, now, I was on the periphery, I loved the music, but I didn't, I didn't embody the style of it, <laughs> you um, weren't about that life, <laughs> no, but I listened to a lot of hair metal, like, I was a big poison yeah. fan twisted sister was the first cassette i ever bought like uh, like with my own money and i mm. i know i had 1984 too i mean i i still have a pretty decent hair metal if you will for lack of a better term collection um but in reading this book i realized i like knew so many of these bands and i've gone back and listened to some of them some of them are pure shit like just terrible <laughs> doesn't hold up doesn't hold up poison <laughs> So Poison is just like what, like the outlier, like their music isn't that good, but they just really knew who they were. Mm. They were just a party band. They were like, they were really, they were workhorses. Apparently they like, they like invited a lot of like the like leftover fans from other bands to be their, mm. like their groupies and stuff. And it worked for them. Um, but it, they're sort of the generic version, you know, like there's always like the, it's, I don't want to call them the sellouts, but they're the, they they're are the, the sellouts um, though. They took I think they, right? they took the look. Okay. I I agree with that. But there are the, there were a ton of copycats beyond that. I think there are two worlds of hair metal. And mm-hmm. there's the sort of like, like most like most music though too, right? It has those sort of like the hardcore. Yeah, hip hop's got the same thing. Like especially right. in like the '90s, there were like the dance heavy like mm-hmm. background singing, like dressed fresh, whatever. And then you had like just from the streets that grimy or mm-hmm. like gangster rap, which is the worst term ever. But there were like subsects, right? Like Kid yep. and Play was never going to go on tour with X Clan, you know? Like it was just <laughs> different shit. But like, and and metal had the same thing. There was like the like Guns and Roses, like LA Guns, Enough is Enough, like Dirt guys. And then you had the like super glam, like Striper and Poison, and they just went like full makeup yeah. and hair. Um, but for a genre of music that had so many hits and so many million selling records. A, no one made any money that lasted, I mean, a couple. There's the outliers, the Motley Crews, what have you. Um, B, th- like, you'd be surprised how much these people didn't like each other. Like, they, <laughs> they were not all <laughs> pals. Like, they just weren't pals. It was, from, ba- from, from band to band or from within each band? No, from band to band and from within each band. Like, that's the other mm-hmm. thing that's kind of crazy about this is, like, they all just, like, shifted around. No, the ba- the versions of the bands that stuck together, it was like, I'll take you, I'll take you. I mean, Guns N' Roses was a was basically like five people plucked from a bunch of other bands. Axel yeah. and was was like I want Slash, I want this. And Duff, who's from Seattle, Duff McKagan. Yep. Uh and actually has the just re-released a record um his punk band or no, first release. So his his Seattle punk band from when he was a teenager. They released a a record as the, or they they recorded a record as The Living. And uh, some record label just released it, and I I heard a couple of tracks on it on KEXP, and it's not bad. Like he mm-hmm. legit was like a punk rock dude. Mm-hmm. Like that's his 
bread and butter. And like, and then he went down to LA and they were like, here, be in this band. So like it, it's pretty crazy. Like how these, it was just, everybody just swarmed one section of LA. A million bands came out of it Mm -hmm. and they just went straight up and straight down in like an eight year period. And it was like, (laughs) either you caught the wave or you didn't. It's just bonkers. Right. So what, so what's your top three metal songs? So I don't even honestly. You right, can't do a point, songs. I I couldn't even I couldn't even think of of one song. You can't think of one metal song. No, not I can't one. Even, can't even all the Guns N' Roses songs. Um, I, like I can't. Not one. That I is, kind of left it behind. You know, I, I could I, tell. I, I could tell. Yeah, it it was it was a moment in time. It like like and mo, like most, I think music in general and art and stuff is like it, it, it sort of has its day and then it's sort of um you don't live in the you know, past do you i don't at all actually either i don't either but you yeah like a lot of it doesn't hold up either though and that's fine it doesn't need to like that's it was why you'll never be in therapy like you're just you just <laughs> don't live in the past you just move you just chomp just you're like a pac-man you just chomp forward you're just like that is man i envy that like you really don't carry any baggage with you that's incredible not a lot there's not a lot uh-uh. Wow, no. that's yeah. a great, great way to be. You just left all that shit <laughs> behind. Yeah, man, I cut my hair. You know, I I left the sleeves on my t-shirts and I, I moved forward into life. Did you right? have a mullet ever? <laughs> I did. Yeah, oh yeah. Too. Oh for sure. Me yeah, too. but it wasn't like a it wasn't like wasn't a rock a, grunge mullet. It was just a a trashy. It was a fashion, it was yeah, a, it was a fashion mullet. It was think, a trashy right? mullet. Yeah, it was. A, it was like it was like short, like maybe a little spiky on the top or waved. And yeah, just a, a little, little maybe a and then just a little, the a little bit peeking out the back uh, above your collar. Yeah, like yeah. A, like an asshole kid from a movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, from like an eighties. Yeah, a movie. Same. Yeah, exactly. Same. Yeah, from the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you exactly. have the suburban mullet. Yeah, the suburban. Yeah, bullet. it was a suburban. Yeah, oh yeah, suburban bullet. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we're gonna talk about somebody. Anyway, I recommend you read this book. It's great. I'm glad you don't care about hair metal at all. But like, and you. I honestly think that you would enjoy this. Like, I think so too. It would. Yeah, it's so much fun. Um, there is a mention of uh, there. There are a couple quotes in there, and the, uh, from Tani Katane, Katane, and mm. uh, who we recently just lost. Um, I'm trying to guess that's the person who you wanted to talk about in the R.I.P. corner <laughs> of the show. Am I? Am I close? You're not at all. Damn it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, she's not. It. She's not. She's just not worth it. Like again, I've left her behind. You know. We we had a good run there, her and yeah, I, and uh, but that was okay. That was that was thirty years ago. So just, um, once who, I haven't the, thought about who was the pitcher that like like filed like a a domestic abuse charge against her. Oh yeah, the, the Angels pitcher. Yeah, um, which one was it? I can't remember. Steve something Carlton. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, Langston was it Langston? No, nah, it wasn't Mark Langston. It was uh, um, Finley. Man, that's gonna. Finley. Was Chuck it Finley? Finley? I think it was Chuck Finley. Yeah, Chuck Finley. I think it feels right. like Chuck Finley. Mm-hmm. Also definitely had a mullet. Anyway, who was your who <laughs> and we'll take suggestions on what will soon to be known as whatever we the dead person of the week. Is that what we call it? <laughs> RIP corner feels bad. Uh yeah, I don't know. We're tipping one out four. And who are we tipping one so- out for this week? Normally, no, yes, exactly. Normally, we tip one out in res- sort of paying our respects to someone who who influenced us or we admired or something through life and and whatever else and whatever genre it, they've come across to us. 
However, this one, I gotta say, it's not so much so long and like farewell, kind of a like rest in peace. It's like he wasn't already dead. Oh, Groban. Yeah, Charles Groban. Yeah, dude, right? What's up, Charles Groban? He's, I thought you were definitely 86. dead. I thought he died like 10 years ago or something. You know, what are your thoughts on Charles Groban? Uh, not a big fan, but I love Midnight Run. I've never seen Midnight Run, but I've heard that's the one to check to catch him. It's he, great. It's so great. Like him and De Niro are incredible. Really? Together. Yeah. And he steals the show and he's. Is that I, a I watch with that, your wife kind of picture? Oh, for sure. It's, you know what it is? It's, it's kind of like, um, uh, it's like Beverly Hills Cop kind of a thing. Okay. It's fun. It's a little actiony. Uh, there's a lot of comedy in it. Um, they're both, and who are both guys who aren't like comedians necessarily, but they're, they, they both give kind of this great kind of balanced performance. Uh, it still real, holds up, I believe. Groban was a real sarcastic guy, right? I think so. Dry though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, I, and I think, I don't know. I can't remember now when the, when it Groden, came not out. Groban, sorry. Yeah, Gro, Groden. Yeah. <laughs> Groban. He had that like smirky smile. Like I could see his, yeah. I could yeah. see his, oh, was, from Pittsburgh, PA. Oh, there you go. Wouldn't you know? Um, I feel like and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on this one. Maybe it came out after uh, Beverly Hills Cop, but I feel like this was sort of like one of those. There, there was a whole genre of movies that I thought kind of came from Midnight Run, but I could be mistaken. Oh, for uh, of sure. those of those like of those kind of comedy action films. That, for sure, like, it's like one right. of the first like action buddy movie, right? Like that's exactly what, yeah. that too. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Great movie. Interesting, interesting uh, filmography. I, without I, and without I know nothing done... about him before or after that. Like I know not none of his movies. You know his movies. You you remember he's in Beethoven and he's like, God damn it, Beethoven, stop getting slobber on the couch. Like, remember those movies? Never saw it. He didn't. See, I no one saw it, but you saw the preview and you'd be like, Ah, oh, he's like, Oh, Beethoven. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're yeah, getting slobber yeah, the dog, in the backseat right? of the car. Yeah. Stop shaking. Yeah, right. that I think that became his kind of wheelhouse. As I'm looking at him in Beethoven the Second, Clifford, and like basically every <laughs> dog movie, uh, he was in a couple weird. Yeah, he just was like around. Like he just was kind of around. He was in the Great Muppet Caper, which is like the worst Muppet movie. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is Midnight Run's kind of the. That's which the is weird pig. because he seems so revered and so. Uh, yeah, maybe he was just a nice guy. Maybe so, or people just liked working with him when they did work with him. Yeah, the woman red. Yeah, he's in this um, movie. Is like second movie he's ever. He was in the two hundred twenty thousand leagues under the sea when he was a kid. Okay, but his King first Kong? his first movie was Sex and the College Girl, which I'll be checking out later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the guy didn't do much. Nothing for me. Interesting. He didn't. So do- he had like he's a well known dude for not doing a whole lot. I guess. I mean, unless a lot of those older movies are Rosemary's Baby. He was in, but that's probably not a big role. Here's his uh, wheelhouse. His wheelhouse is nineteen seventy eight. He was he wanted he wanted. An Emmy for the Paul Simon special alongside Chevy Chase, Lauren Michaels, Paul Simon, <laughs> and Lily Tomlin. Like that's he's like a male Lily Tomlin. Like that's what he is. He's just I a, think I think Lily Tomlin had a better career than he did. Did she though? Yeah. I don't Maybe know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I not. feel like it's Maybe right. Just... Th- they're right running right alongside Wait, each so other. Wait, so is it fair to say, are you saying this so like Lily Tomlin and Charles Groden are like basically one hit wonders? No, I'm saying they're like one hit wonders of like, the, you know, like music. No, not one hit wonders. Okay. I'm saying they're like, they're like tr- the band train. <laughs> 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 I 
kind of still around, but you don't kinda really still know. Around, people are like, how the f- they won how many Grammys? Like, who likes them? And then you're like, wait, oh yeah, you know that. Wait, that's wait, so- wait, wait. How many Grammys did Train win? Oh, they probably won a, a butt ton. Oh god, they've okay. got that song. Hey, soul sister, Master, Mister, Mister, on the yeah. But they also did like the Jupiter song. I'm telling right. you, Train, the band. Uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm telling you, the train is one. I'm gonna over under three Grammys. I'm a, What do you say? What do you guess? Oh man, um, yeah, that's a good number. Three and a half. Yeah, Oof. I, I want to go four, but I, I, I feel like that's that's kind of pushing it. So, don't worry, it's a push. I'll it's, say two. It's exactly I'll say two. three. I'll say, you know what? I'm going lower. I'm it's gonna go exactly two. three. Is it's it? exactly oh my yeah, God. yeah. For the two songs I mentioned, <laughs> Drops of Jupiter. <laughs> And Hey Soul Sister. That's their Midnight Run and Beethoven. Okay. All right. Good for them. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. 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 Dude, Gro- Groden is the train. We hit, we hit it. We got it. We nailed it. Wow, this is... If you guys haven't tu- turned off this uh, episode, please stick around. Mike Vorkanoff is coming up. And I promise you, it's a great <laughs> interview. Better. It's insightful. Be better. It's better than this bullshit we're handing you. Um... <laughs> Let's jump into uh, picks because we've got a couple of games coming up uh, tonight and tomorrow. Uh, for those that are listening right now, um, the NBA play-in tournament has begun. Uh, it's been lackluster. Uh, I don't know. What I don't do think so. I, I've enjoyed it. I mean, the first two games were, were kind of blowouts, I guess. But um, they were dogs. I don't think those were expected either, though. So in, in that sense, I thought it was just kind of interesting. I am excited for tonight's game. It's the Pacers at the Wizards. Um, these guys have identical records. Uh, the Pacers, I think, are playing without Levert, right? Because of COVID or something weird like that. Yeah, he has uh, some medical er, issue, like urgent medical issue, I think, for whatever, like, however they state it. Um, but also, like Miles Turner and a couple other guys are, are they? I don't know if they're back for this game, but they were out the, the first playing game. And yet they still scored 144 points. Um, Which is incredible. You have out Miles Turner, Jeremy Lamb, Karis Levert, Brogdon's day to day, but he'll play. And then basically nobody out on the. Uh, the Wizards. Wizards only giving three and a half points. The Pacers hate their coach, but suddenly seem to Brogdon seems to be the only reason. Brogdon and Sabonis are just playing out of their minds. Sabonis is incredible. Yeah. What do you? Also, Valanciunas is playing crazy. Uh, who do you? Who do you like in this one? Um. So it's interesting because I going into that first uh play in game with the Pacers and the Hornets, I thought the Hornets would kind of just crush them um Did it. and i, I know that they, they they were missing uh gordon hayward but and they haven't been playing as well as late because i guess because he's been out i thought it would at least be close or the league would at least fix it to because they wanted people to to see ball but i was wrong yeah well yeah Dead well wrong. you were wrong about a lot of the fixing things about uh oh jesus boston and the lakers you know not being in the play-in games as well but that's in the past chris we're gonna leave that in the past no, you know what? Let's not. Because I want to be a podcast that's fucking held accountable. Guess what? I was wrong. I was dead wrong about both of those. I said that there's no way the Lakers and the Celtics would end up in playing games. I was wrong. I maybe should have looked at it from a different angle that maybe they would like having those teams would add to the excitement of it because I think the NBA is sold on this thing, this concept. And having those teams would be like a sell. Maybe that's the way to play it. But either way, I, I feel like you go you go down a weird conspiracy like hole on on these sort of very random sort of conspiracies. 
right? Like, well, you, that make them up, dude. It's not like I read them off Reddit. <laughs> well, I know, but like, you, I, like, I, I feel like you think about them and you think them through and you think them out, and you're like, I think this is real, and you're really strong in your convictions about it. But it's like, also, it's like total, that's the hill total, you're kind of standing on. Total like, horseshit. Yeah, it's like really like that's like okay, that's the conspiracy of all the things that could be conspiracy. It's like, oh no, we don't want these guys in the play-in tournament. I just thought it was interesting. It was a take. It was probably more takey than it was conspiracy. Okay. Either way, I am admitting I was wrong. Okay. We didn't land on the moon. So for (laughs) for so for selfish reasons for this game, the Pacers Wizards. I want the Wizards to win so they could be in the playoffs so that pays off my the the bet that I made that you know the Wizards plus four hundred, baby. Right. But I'm super impressed by the way Indiana played in that first game, and I'm I'm I've been under uh, appreciating and undervaluing Sabonis for uh, at least a year now. There Probably might be two. another. There, I I com- couldn't agree more. That guy's. I mean, that guy's averaged twenty, twelve, and six assists. Like yeah. that's a pretty incredible stat for a big man. Yeah, I, I think like I, not a lot of guys are doing that. I don't think. No, I agree. Where did he? That was, he was like a throw-in from another from another team. Like what was it? Was the, the old Oladipo trade? Wasn't it, it was the Oladipo trade. You're right. Yeah. yeah. That. It's such a weird like if you do the if you do the the trajectory of everyone Oladipo has been traded for, it's yeah. crazy. Like it like Sabonis, Harden, like it's like a weird windy world. I we should we should follow that that timeline at some point. Um, Sabonis is playing great. You know who else is playing great? TJ McConnell. Mm. Who? TJ oh, McConnell. TJ McConnell. McConnell's been blowing up. He had like twenty wins. Defense, assists, he's playing, he's, his, his plus minus is through the roof. Yeah. He's, yeah. He is a valuable person on this team. He has made himself a true NBA backup point guard, and I am so Incredible. amped for him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I only wanted the best for him. It wasn't going to work out in Philly, and this is, like, the best case scenario of, for him. He's got playoff experience. I'm really stoked for, I'm, ex- I'm personally very stoked for him. I'm gonna agree with you. I'm rooting probably for the Pacers, probably because it's a better it's a better matchup for the Sixers anyway. Um, at this point, plus four too, is or I I mean I have it at plus four, you have plus three and a half. I I it's it'd almost be foolish not to take the points then, I guess, at this point. Yeah. I think you're but right. But then I feel like they're gonna get blown out and the Wizards are gonna crush it. But also, <laughs> like you know, like Wizard but like Russell Russell Westbrook wasn't that great. Bradley Beal's injured. He wasn't that great in that first in that first game too. Looks, looks pretty soft against a not a great Boston team. Right. So, it, you know, there's again, there's a lot of signs there. For, I guess to me, it's pointing, it's pointing pacers in this game. All right. Let's flip it to the next night because we've got a line on it. Uh, John Morant against Steph Curry. Uh, the Warriors are giving up three and a half. I, this is what I'm showing. I don't know what yep, you're seeing. Same. Okay. Who do you like in this one? Uh, I watched the end of that game. What was it? Uh, earlier this week. I think the two teams played uh, maybe over the weekend. It came down to the end. Uh, Dylan Brooks, who everybody is literally just getting a too big enough, of a, oh, hard enough on. with the Dylan yeah. Brooks hard on. Last night I had to turn the sound off the game. I mean, the dunk he had Durst, in the game wasn't that great of a dunk. It's he's just, just a, not. A, this is pedestrian. Like, if the the I felt like neither one of the announcers last night had watched a single Memphis game all year. They were yeah. giving praise to the wrong people. They were totally blown away by Dylan Brooks, who's been like a workhorse all year. But like, good just, for him. He's made something of himself. It was uh, like 
it was like a first time viewing. Like I was like, it was one of the worst called games I've ever seen. Uh, they kept trying to make it seem like it was exciting, which to an extent it was, but DeRozan was playing horribly. I, I'm anyway, that's my point. Like, or that was my, that's my, Listen, he's a good defender and, and he, and he, and he was shutting down Steph in that, in that game a couple uh, earlier this week. He, he, I, it sounded like it looked like he, he was locking down DeRozan for the most part last night in the game or the night before. Uh, so, and, and Golden State, basically it's Curry, it's Curry or nothing on this team. And I, I, I don't know if they have enough magic to do this again. And, and, and the Grizzlies looked pretty solid against them. And unfortunately they end up losing it because most people seem to think that because Dylan fouled out with like five minutes left in the game or so, um, that, that allowed Curry to sort of go back and go off, well, uh, and get his shots off. So don't count out Curry, right? Like that's, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's hard for me to root against Curry and the Warriors, but three and a half points. I think, it's, I think three and a half is, is almost, I'm mean, like for them to lose by three is almost, uh, is almost a good, that's a good bet. I think you're, I can't see a world in which Steph isn't playing in the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I really hope he isn't because that team is just no good. They're no good. I mean, AD had to have like one of his worst games ever last night for that thing to even yeah. be close. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, Valanciunas has been playing fucking out of his mind. Incredible. Like, Looney's not going to stop that dude. No. Like there's just no. no, there's no stopper for that. They were showing that the other night against them. And like they couldn't, they couldn't shut him down. Like they were playing horrible defense. Yeah. Wiggins was like, Wiggins was letting D- D- uh, Dylan Brooks like just drive to the, to the lane. And like, I mean, they weren't even, it's not even Dylan Brooks is good. It's like the, the, the Warriors defense was atrocious. That's not even the best player. John Morant still is like one exactly. of the most explosive players. I love his handle. I love watching him play. He's the closest thing I've seen to Allen Iverson in a minute. Mm. His, mm. his ability to play sideways and slip defenders and get to the hole is just, I love watching it all the time. He just, he feels like he's floating on air. I know he's a nightmare and he's not going to probably win any championships. He's just not that kind of guy. But I just, I love why I, I adore watching him play. I would watch him play a million times before I would watch Zion plod through and bully people around with his big dumpy body. I like, I just, I love Jaws game so much more. And I'm only comparing them because they were one and two in a draft. But I, 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 and I just think I would rather see. Memphis in the in the playoffs from a basketball perspective. I agree with you. Don't count out Steph. He's one of the most electrifying and fun players to watch. But if I had my druthers, I would want Memphis to win. And I agree with you. I think I would take those points and maybe just play both underdogs in this. Maybe yeah. swing it into a parlay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so then from there, just we don't have to gamble on these, even though there are lines for all the other games coming on Saturday and stuff. That's, but I do want your honest thoughts of like, does it matter who the Philadelphia 76ers play in the first round between the Pacers or the Wizards? So I've done a little bit of thinking on this. Um, I think I would want the Warriors. The Sixers play better. Play, they kind of just whoop the Warriors ass. And even though Westbrook scares Wizards. me. Oh, sorry, the Wizards. Sorry. Yeah, Wizards. Thank you. Uh, Westbrook scares me. Um he doesn't scare me that much. You know? yeah, yeah. The, the Sixers just play such great defense. Uh, I think that they could shut those two players down and then what? You know, then R- R- Rui? Like I'm, not, like, I'm not really that worried about it. So I think I would prefer the You're Wiz. Not? Yeah, Rui. R- worried about Rui Hachimura? No. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like that, none, no one else on that team bothers me. That I'm, I think that the P- 
Pacers are a little deeper and a little more disciplined, mm. and I could see them just beating up the Sixers. Maybe not winning, but making it so that they have mm-hmm. to go to six games and mm-hmm. be like a little more exhausted than they should be. I think they could honestly sweep the Wizards. That's, yeah, that, I think so too. That's my so I that so too. in that regard, I'm rooting for the Wizards. Okay, interesting. All right, uh, uh, and then uh, and I like Miami. the path. I love the path for the Sixers. I think that they could. I, I'm. They don't have to play Miami, right? Like they don't have to. I don't think so at this point. No, I think they get the they get the winner of the Hawks Knicks, and then, I mean, unless Miami beats. Oh, that's right. It's right. It's the Hawks Knicks. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Right. So I th- I think then it goes my like Miami and whoever you know. Uh, I'm not really worried about Miami either. Everyone's like, watch yeah, out for Miami. Yeah. I don't I don't see it. They showed out in a couple of games, and everyone thinks that they can. Yeah, I they they they're not the same team as last year. They're not this. Spolster is still my. I think is the best coach. Mate, one one of two of the best coaches mm-hmm. uh, in the NBA. So I Him think anything can happen. Yeah, uh, but I <laughs> but I, I I don't think that this team is is. I, Hero and Duncan seem to be like maybe not as good as everybody thought, and and patience isn't. It, patience looks like a dog. Like even though patience I, started off hot, like I I'll, I'll even like I don't know if this is a hot enough take or not, but I'll even say that the Knicks would worry me more than the Heat against the Sixers. Uh, and they and they play a similar sort of style, like dogged defensive, like you know, physical kind of thing. Spo likes to beat motherfuckers up, though. Like that's the thing is like when the Sixers played the Heat in the playoffs two years ago or three years ago. Like Spo was like, let's just beat them up exactly. and see if we can intimidate them out of here. And the Sixers won, but like, no, who wants to play against that in the playoffs? Like, that sucks. That sucks right, to but be that, around. But that's also like they're choosing to play a certain style against the Sixers where the Knicks are just relentless, like night in and night out. And I feel like they have a better sort of chance of sort of wearing them down because that's just what they do and they stay in games, either whether you expect them to or not to win those games. They're always, they always seem to be hanging around at the end of the game. And Miami, I don't think, sort of has that quite of that style, right? They could choose to sort of play physical and abusive and 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 just try to wear you down and, and like beat you down, but I, knowing that they're just probably going to try to like break you. Yeah. Whereas, forget- whereas the Knicks, I, I, the Knicks just this is how they play. The Knicks also and, didn't have a didn't have a bubble, and the right. Miami had to play through the whole bubble with a super short off season. Like there, there's got to be some wear and tear on that team. That's why then both the Lakers and the Heat had such struggles during the regular season. And there's, it's going to carry over. I don't think a week off is going to make the difference. Yeah. Uh, but more, you know what? That's a perfect segue into our guest coming up. Uh, we got a lot of good, we got a lot of good Knicks talk coming up with Mike Borkinoff. So uh, stay tuned. Hey, we'd like to welcome the one and only Mike Vorkanoff to the show. Uh, Mike, who comes to us from uh, not only the Athletic, are you still doing the Are You Screwed podcast as well, or are you out on that? I think I think that died a long, slow, painful moratorium. I mean, you can blame COVID. That's too bad. But the but you are still very uh, prolific on the Athletic. So thanks for joining us on the show today. What's up, guys? Um, the reason I had I reached out to you probably well like a month ago, and I was like, hey, I think the Knicks are going to make the playoffs. We'd love to have you on the show when they clinch, and they clinched, and uh, they're going to be in the playoffs starting. Uh, is it next week? Uh, they Sunday, uh, su- Sunday square off against the the Atlanta Hawks, and we wanted to talk to you about that. Talk to you about a little bit about your thoughts on the season, uh, Julius Randle, and uh, maybe some free agency thing for next year. 
But before we do that, I want to address the elephant in the room, which is... Do we have an elephant? What is the ele- a, a Canadian Drake-sized elephant in the room. I don't know if you caught okay. the Lakers-Warriors game last night, but... Uh, I did most of it, except for a quick nap. Did you happen to notice who was cheering LeBron on wholeheartedly on the sideline? None other than Mr. Turncoat himself, Drake, uh, who is now apparently the Lakers' biggest fan. Did you, <laughs> did you happen to catch any of this? I, I did not know that. I did not know that Drake was allowed to leave Canada and come back into Canada. Isn't there like a hard boundary going on with travel? Well, why the Raptors have been in Florida all year? Yeah. All those ra- trapped Canadian rappers, he's the one who got to get out. He also <laughs> been... uh, he apparently doesn't feel like a mask is necessary, which is fine. I'm not going to mask shame him or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, Drake just, Drake just front ran as expected. Right to the next best thing. And That's I, what he always does. I know you're a Drake apologist, but it sounds like you were a, a, unaware of this fact. I, I think he's just tired of starting from the bottom. He just <laughs> wants to be at the top and live there now. <laughs> That's as good as answer as you're going to get. Um, <laughs> well, we can leave all Drake's stuff aside. Um, congratulations on being able to write about the playoffs. Um, and, uh, and also congratulations on having one of the most... Uh, likable Twitter uh, follows. I know. I have, I get most of my Knicks information from your Twitter alone, Mike. So I didn't know that they were going to allow people in the games. Uh, the vaccinated. They're going to have a vaccinated section at MSG. I didn't know that till I read read you 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 posted that. So you're breaking news. Yeah, it's for gonna me. be it's gonna be super interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 14 months or whatever of uh, of us living this this uh, this life that we've led, and now it's just going to be 13,000 fans at Madison Square Garden significant portion of them unmasked uh vaccinated obviously but unmasked it's it's a the real mind uh turn i guess yeah it's i think it coincides well with the first time they've been in the playoffs since what like 2012 it's just like yeah everything eight, eight years everything feels surreal like the knicks being in fourth place feels surreal um i uh i guess my uh, one thing i wanted to find out from you is is i assume you're surprised that the knicks did this well or maybe you're not i guess that's sort of my first question is is what are you are you optimistic do you feel completely shocked do you think that this is a fluky thing or or did they overachieve yeah or underachieve i mean i i I thought they were going to win like 24 games this season so for me i think everyone maybe the only people who didn't were like I guess people internally, but I think the pretty widespread opinion was that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the Eastern conference. So, I mean, it's been ridiculous. Um, I think that's why they've been one of the, I, I, one of the big NBA darlings this season. It's just like how much they've overachieved. And obviously other than that, like how they've done it, but like, you know, after years, uh, maybe two decades of underachieving, like here they are flipping the script completely to make the playoffs. It's been a crazy story. And it's, I, I totally agree. I don't know a single person besides maybe Bill de Blasio, who is not just totally swept up in this, the Knicks story. Like I, 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 I'm there and they're, they seem to be fairly consistent. Maybe that has something to do with coaching. Maybe that has something to do with Julius Randle sort of just taking over or the development of players. Do what, what do you think has been like sort of the secret to their not just their success, because this doesn't feel like it's like, oh, they ended the season with a 10-game win streak. Like, they've been consistently doing it since they started clicking about a quarter of the way through the season. 
Yeah, I mean, I think things kind of turned for them um, when they traded for Derek Rose. I think they're 11 and 15 when they traded for him, and they've they've kind of just like been a playoff team ever since. I, I think that gave them kind of the offensive uh, boost that they needed, a, a scoring point card that they needed. But really, you know, they've won games primarily with their defense, and they started hitting threes. And, um, you know, Tom, I think played like a Tom Thibodeau team, which is just like playing with an unceasing amount of energy and, um, with a really strong defense and then Julius Randle turning into like mini Kevin Durant all of a sudden has been like <laughs> unpredictable. <clears throat> I think I asked Tom Thibodeau about it earlier this season, like, you know, <laughs> if you could create your optimum situation for Randle before the season, would it be this? And I think he was like hedging that no, all NBA Julius Randle was not a predictable outcome. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's been wild. I, I think uh, it's been, it's been interesting to see just like, how in the course of one season, every preconceived notion I think most people had about the Knicks just kind of slipped away. Right. Um, you'd, I just read something you'd written about Tom Thibodeau recently. Was that yesterday? Um, just sort of his effect on players and how people have bought into this Tom Thibodeau system. Uh, I, we're, we're, we've sort of had a, a love-hate relationship with Tibbs on this, <laughs> on this podcast. Um, you know, we started a, a little thing, a little section we call just the Tibbs, um, where we <laughs> we go back and forth in our love for him. I think universally we li- we root for him. We know mm-hmm. that the other shoe's eventually going to fall. I th- I think, um, and and I think we both, Chris and I, agree that he's not. He's maybe one of the worst general managers ever to 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 be a part of the game. Um, Chris, w- like I- I'll ask you, or if you have any thoughts on this, are you a Thibodeau believer at this point? You know, I, I was actually just thinking about it um, earlier today because I I, uh, I actually read your article as well, and um, which was which was a good article. It was nice, um, and it and it shows maybe he has grown a little bit, right? And like he's he's connecting with his players a little bit more, father figure, those kinds of things, whatever, blah blah. blah. And he's learned maybe he's learned from his past mistakes. But I, I started thinking about it, it. Kind of, I wonder if he's the kind of guy where he's kind of like Larry Brown or a couple of those other coaches where they kind of. It's it's um it's not quite sustainable like long term like he's good four or five years and then you got to move on because he's just going to start wearing everybody down, and and that's fine though and that's and that's I, I think I'm okay with that now too like if this is Tibbs and the success that they're having with this team, um, which is which is great and it's great that the Knicks are winning um and if it only lasts for four years or five years then so be it and then you move on you find someone else and you kind of redo this whole thing or whatever. And I think maybe that's, that's Tibbs then in a nutshell now is that at some point it's probably going to break down and it's probably going to wear these guys out and they're not going to end up liking him or what, or some of them are Julie Ran- Julius Randall's going to be the, the, you know, um, Jimmy Butler or something of this team where he just, he goes to bat for Tibbs and he'll always play for that guy and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. And it's, and it's like, do you, do you get any sort of sense of that, Mike of, of like, of of this whole team has bought in or is it just kind of like is this sustainable i mean i think they've all bought in i think everyone <clears throat> has kind of like been singing the praises of tom Thibodeau all season long um you know they've responded to his uh they've responded to like his style of coaching his demanding ways i mean part of it is just like the roster that they put together it, it, there wasn't any stars right there wasn't any players kind of established um, comfortable points in their career. Even Julius Randle had a non or a partially guaranteed contract for next season. So this was, you know, if he didn't play well enough, essentially like a 
last year of his contract type of situation. Um, and so I think they've, they've all bought in. I mean, like what happens in year three or four, if Tom Thibodeau um, is still coaching the Knicks, like we'll see, you know, obviously it ended messy in Chicago. I think Minnesota was just like a totally different situation than yeah. here. He was the GM, he's the president. Um, he, he also had players. Allocated. Yeah. He also had players who probably aren't her or probably too soft. I mean, there's, we all kind of blame Thibodeau for Minnesota, but maybe actually we should be blaming all those players and looking at Carl Anthony Towns and all those other yeah, guys. I mean, as like, yeah, I think that was a more complex situation um, than it seemed from the outside, just having done some reporting on it there. And just like, you know, and even in Chicago where he was just a coach and it obviously like it ended poorly because of a rift between him and the front office. I don't, I don't know if that'll happen this time. Cause like the team president now, and uh, one of the, number two basically are his former agents at CAA. Right. right? right. So like that's a different type of relationship. Um, But it's all working now. Like, I I don't know. I, I, you know, if if they acquire a star free agent, I mean a star over the summer in a trade or sign a free agent next summer, like then maybe some of the pressure is off of kind of Tibbs uh, overworking his guys or kind of the, um, the fatigue that comes from playing him for a longer period of time or or something like that. You know, like I think the one thing everyone kind of knows about Tom Thibodeau is like, He's going to try to squeeze um, the most out of every team and over a long period of time, that might be too much or guys get worn down by it. But um, I think there are ways to mitigate that, especially by turning over the roster frequently enough and finding players who kind of like that type of stuff, which there are guys like Taj Gibson and Derek Rose love that. That's right. why they keep coming back to them. Right. Cause they're, but so that they're the one side of it. Right. And then you've got these players that I think everybody was sort of waiting for to, to develop within the system, the Knoxes, the Frankie smokes, that have just basically been completely, they're just, they're ghosts. They're just ghosts now. Like you don't, you don't really see much of them at all. Um, and it seems to have worked. I was like, what happened to these guys? I I was rooting for them, but Tibbs has clearly found his lineups, his rosters. I think that he, I, do you think that those players just weren't working hard enough? They're just not working within the system. Cause like, they were, they'd been given so many, I think they'd been given a, a decent opportunity, at least, at least Frankie Smokes had. I don't know if Knox is going to end up somewhere else. What What do you think? I guess my question for you is: What do you think happens in the off season? Is that dependent on how they do in the playoffs? Um, and do you think there'll be a big free agent move or a big like trade uh, forthcoming? And will they? Who do you think they'll let go? I mean, with with, with Noah Keen and with Knox, like specifically, Noah Keen had some time in the in the rotation and he fell out or he's been hurt and all that type of stuff. He just doesn't. He's, I think he's a very good defensive player, but like Tom Thibodeau likes his guards to play a certain way, and Frank Nilkina just kind of doesn't do that, right? He's kind of become a bit of a three and D type of, uh, of guard wing type of player this year. And Kevin Knox is, uh, you know, he just, I don't think he's good enough. And yeah. like Tom Thibodeau will play you only if you're good enough. Even look at Obi Toppin, who's the number eight pick. That like was my next thing, yeah. 10 minutes a night, and that's it. Yeah. Um, sometimes 10 minutes a night. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This summer, it's a they have like so much cap space. They have so many picks that they can trade. Uh, they have so much flexibility. And I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something big, if there's a guy who's on the market, right? Like so much of this is dependent on who's out there. And I think that always fluctuates. And if the team kind of uh, flames out of the playoffs unexpectedly, maybe that just changes the entire, you know, the entire way we're looking at what goes on the summer. Like if Phoenix about gets out in the first round, like what happens with Chris Paul, right? Like if, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, I don't know what happened to the Clippers if they lose in the first or the second round. Like there's so much uncertainty 
Um, but the Knicks are in a good place to strike if something pops up because they have the ability to make a pretty good trade offer uh, with all the picks they got, and uh, they can be active in free agency if they want to be. So, really, yeah, you know, for the first time, like they're in a pretty good place, and they're not pop committed like they used to be entering free agency. Yeah, they're also, um, I think they're picking in this upcoming draft, and like they've got two picks in the like early twenties, right, and the high twenties. Yeah, yeah, which is like they their can go sweet nineteen spot. and twenty-one possibly. Yeah, that's this. I mean, if they just keep those picks, they're that's a sweet spot for them. Like there, there's no pressure. There's no lottery pressure. There's no, there's no like watching the like. I really truly believe that they could do like Leon Rose could do something nice in those spots with this with a with a sort of stacked draft class but but even more so than that then are, are they legitimately like one player away from from being a legit you know title team um i i don't if you if you're a believer that this version of julius randall is the new version of julius randall um then yeah maybe right then if you can get a guy who's better than him who becomes like kind of the true number one player, if you can get like a really good point guard to come in, a guy who's a top 15 player in the league. Um, maybe then I don't, I don't, yeah, maybe Damon Lillard, like, or again, Chris Paul, if he just decides to opt out and go to free agency and, and do what he wants to do. Um, I don't, I don't see why they can't be like one of the top four teams in the East next year, but also just obviously number four seed this year, but like a top four team in the East next year and also be a team uh, people think can get out of it if they make the right additions. Yeah, I I would I'm I'm wary of the, any sort of Knicks superstar free agency pick, especially when you're talking about point guards, just from like the world of Stevie franchise and Starberry and all, and the, <laughs> most, the I, there's just I don't a think those guys there. were ever superstars. Steve Francis was a superstar, uh, maybe for a year. You guys are forgetting some very important uh, Rocket seasons, but whatever, we can move on. Um, so this is a, I don't, I don't want to keep making you look into the crystal ball, but what do you feel like is it, I mean, making the playoffs, being a, a getting home court advantage, like from in the first round, those all feel like this is, that's as much as you could probably ask for this team. But is at this stage, are you expecting them to beat the Hawks? Do you like, as a, like, as a, as a, just as a casual viewer, like if you were rooting for the Knicks, do you think that like, are you looking for the Knicks, expecting the Knicks to, to beat? the Hawks in this upcoming series? I think the series is a coin flip. Um, really? Like, I think Vegas has it pretty much even odds, or at least the first one I saw, or gambling books, or whatever we're talking about now. Um, I think it's pretty much even. Like, <clears throat> I think the Knicks have the, the best player in the series, and I think they have the best coach. And then I think the Hawks have so much depth and so much, um, so many good players beyond Trey Young. Like, I, I think I it goes you know like I wouldn't be surprised if either team wins I wouldn't be surprised if it goes seven and just like I don't know goes down to the last play of the game and uh, but I think they have a definite legitimate chance to get out and play the Sixers in the second round like I I think um, you know I think it's a lot it's already gravy for a lot of Knicks fans this year it's just the fact that they made the playoffs yeah. especially the way that this team was this year but um, I think it's not wrong to just like think they can win a series and move on and play Philly and that won't go well. Uh, I think, but <laughs> I, it could be, you know, it could be something that happens. It's an odd, it's an odd, uh, it's an odd year. I mean, uh, as, as has been mentioned a million times over um, with a shortened season, what have you, but also the play in tournament, um, which feels like it was made almost intentionally for the Knicks and the Knicks didn't even need it. Like, I'm, I just felt like that, like it was that 10th spot was guaranteed to go to the Knicks. Like 
for the playing tournament. And then as they, as it turns out there, they get the fourth spot. How, how have you enjoyed the playing tournament thus far? Are you, are you a fan? Are you like, I just, I, I'd love to get your take on, on how you, now that it's started to happen, you've watched a couple games unfold. Do you think it'll last? Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. I think it's fun. Um, it, like everyone cared whether you got a, two, a a top six seed or not, right? It's not even just getting into the tournament now. Like being the number six seed and the number seven seed matter, right? Yeah. Um, a week off is. Big. I think that's, yeah, like all I think all that is fun. Like the more variables we throw in there, right? And now you had LeBron versus Steph to get into the playoffs last night. Now Steph Curry has to win a game, just you know, to get into the playoffs Friday night. Like that's that's a lot of intrigue that that they've added to the whole situation right and i think it's kind of stopped tanking uh for all but a few teams i think more teams probably would have just shut it down um if there wasn't you know kind of top 10 seeds making into the play-in tournament that playoff essentially like i don't know i think that's pretty fun i think it's a good addition the more the more like games that matter the better yeah i i mean we're in agreement i think chris right like i think we've always yeah, sure been, we've been big yeah. fans of the play-in tournament i just know that there's been the, the, there's been a couple dogs of games but you you get that in the playoffs no matter what it, to me i just love this like week of like basketball that only is this play-in tournament where stats don't even log into the regular season or the playoffs it's just this its own little cool world where like there's a lot of sort of corn coin flippy moments, even like this. I, I was watching the Spurs game last night and up until the la- like final four minutes, it was still an exciting game. And I realized at one moment, like this is the Spurs only chance to make the playoffs. Like there was, it was kind of, it, I, it made the game feel like it mattered a little bit to me. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why it's fun. Like the more teams that, the more games that matter, the more um, fan bases that care, like late in the season, um, the Spurs and the Grizzlies would have been out by now, right? And yeah. instead, the Grizzlies still get one more chance to get in. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe on the other side of that, the Grizzlies maybe would have tried harder to get that eighth seed since they were right there uh, in the regular season. But I, yeah. I'm, but there's still an incentive, though. There's right. still an incentive to get the eighth seed on top, instead of the nine, too. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, Chris, you got anything? Yeah, I got two questions for yeah, you, Mike. So. You, you wrote an article about uh, breaking down the, the Knicks-Hawks uh, series, uh, and you used a lot of stats to sort of like important, you know, might define the series or something. Is there, is there one stat for the series that stands out to you? And then is there one stat from the Knicks team themselves from this whole year that has sort of caught your eye or surprised you or, or sort of stood out to you? Um, I mean, to me, the stat that jumps out is, the Julius Randle three-point shooting and the Knicks three-point shooting. They essentially have the same three-point shooting percentage as the Nets, right? You think about all the great shooters that the Nets have with Kyrie, KD, Harden, Joe Harris, um, and they, you know, it's just the amount of easy open shots that they create because of those top three players and the Knicks were the same thing, right? Like you have to be a good three-point shooting nowadays uh, to be a good team anymore unless you just have a beast like Joel Embiid or something, but... Um, and that's, and, and that's and then, not something from a Thibodeau Coaching, no, no, that's right. That's that, something he's changed. Yeah, exactly. that's something I'm right about for tomorrow. Um, but like, yeah, this is this is the change that they had. Um, so it's it's really interesting that they've been able to really in the course of one season just like turn themselves into a a great, not even like a good, but a great three point shooting team. Chris, did you have a second question? Yeah, yeah, I, and then um, so oh, wait, so does that one carry over into the the Knicks Hawks series? You think that's maybe the most important thing is is it's going to oh, come down sorry. to three point uh, shooting? I'm trying to think. 
Yeah, I mean, usually I would think if the, the better three-point shooting team would win, but um, I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see how the how the game gets officiated. Like Trey Young, mm. you know, is known for, for testing refs and yeah. for all the calls that he gets, and that's a quick way to get a bunch of guys into foul trouble um, right away and, you know, quickly does that a little bit for the Knicks. And, um, you know, the Knicks get a little bit physical, too, on defense. And so I think how it gets officiated, uh, I think, will be interesting just to see um, what they emphasize, right? What the refs emphasize, and and how much they let guys get away with. Did they did they guard him well during the uh, in the in the three games they played him during the season? Did they or did they you know did they rotate guys on him and just try to keep him contained? Yeah, I mean, I think um, like he he did he did pretty well the first uh, two games, and I think the third season, uh, the third game he was doing you know he got hurt. I think in the third quarter there, but they had something like ninety points in three quarters, and before he got hurt, and then the Knicks won that game in overtime after Trey Young got hurt. So they had their troubles with him. Um, he didn't go off, you know, like crazy. I think Randall averaged 37 points against him or something for the regular season. Uh, right, you know, the Knicks shot 47% from three. So there, I think there's some regression coming and maybe it just doesn't make the, the regular season all that worth uh, worthwhile in terms of trying to project going forward. But um, I think it's going to be interesting to see just like how much of that carries over to the playoffs. So speaking of that, or the playoffs, I guess I have one the, just sort of generalization, general basketball question for you. Um, who do you like in the playoffs? Who do you think is going to, like, I know that everybody has different sort of favorites. Who do you think are the, I won't make you make a prediction that's just ridiculous, but who do you like? Who are you most afraid of? Who are you most excited to watch? Or is it, or, and on the other side of that, who do you just despise watching? Because we have two teams um, that we despise watching on this. I on think this I think this series, this these playoffs are pretty good because I think I find most of the teams like pretty easy to watch. Um, I'm not a huge fan of watching the Clippers. I don't know why. Thank you. Thank you. That I don't yeah. like uh, the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> um, but I I kind of enjoy watching all the teams. Like they're all very interesting for their different ways. Um, uh, I'm not a big fan of watching Boston play. I guess I don't know. Mm. There's there's something clunky about them this season. Um, I, obviously, I hope I you know it'd be really fun if like the Warriors and Steph got in just because I think he's the most fun player in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, those are like if if the Warriors got in and you got Jazz Warriors for uh for full seven game series and like try to see Steph can topple Goliath that way that would be amazing. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there's intrigue in all of the on all of the matchups, even though we don't know all of them just yet. I honestly kind of am excited to see what happens with Boston, Brooklyn, and I'm actually maybe rooting for Boston for the first time in my entire life. Whoa. I know it's going to be weird. It's going to be hard to hard to fathom. It's hard to fathom, but I think I might be just from a Sixer standpoint. I just I'll would, buy you an Ainge jersey. <laughs> I would like a Brad Stevens wife jersey, please, from her <laughs> high school basketball team, if I could. <laughs> Um, I don't, yeah, I, it's, I yet to be determined, but I agree with you. I think that the, I've watched a decent amount of Boston games this year for whatever reason, and they clunky is a good way to put it. And mm. they, they definitely didn't solve any of those problems, uh, it, in, in their t- attempts at picking up players, um, before the, uh, before the trade deadline. Um, one last, I, I know you gotta go. Um, but I do, I did want to ask you, um, do you have any th- thoughts on, uh, Rutgers football? in the upcoming season? <laughs> uh, I do not. I, I think they'll be better than last year. Probably. I don't know. Are you, I don't really, I don't really follow them in the off season. I just kind of watch the game. Yeah. That's the way you, it that way. That's the way you should watch Rutgers football. <laughs> um, 
I, I, you should not get too invested and just be pleasantly surprised. I, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I just, I just wanted to ask. I wanted to ask because you know you're not just a, you're not just a, a Knicks guy, and you're not just a, a huge Drake fan, but you're also, you're also well versed in other sports and and other and other hot topics. You're also a dad, which is great. Um, Listen, you're gonna be so angry when uh, when Drake shows up at the garden. He might actually. I don't, uh, don't even know anymore. He can't. He can't do it. He can he? He might. Yeah, but the Blasio will just post up together, like sitting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Do you uh, do you want to do you want to uh, tell us at least where we can find we can you know our our throng throngs of listeners could find your uh, your your <laughs> fine your fine writing. Um, go to the Athletic. I write there. Subscribe to it. We're yeah, uh, we're doing. If you're, you're, if you're not a subscriber yet, it's a dollar a month for new subscribers. So. It's incredible. I'm we'll so glad that. I played full How's price. Salesmanship. Yeah. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. Thanks for your time, Mike. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Sorry, I had to jail early. No, no worries. It's all good, man. All right. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>